0: We have a God who is, let's start there, uh, a God who exists. Uh, He is the one who has made us, and we are his. And he has uh, 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 had mercy on us, uh, even though we were sinners, even though we have broken his commands. Uh, He has uh, decided, uh, instead of condemning us, he's uh, decided to condemn his son to give us good news through his death and through his resurrection, so that if you trust in him as your Savior, you will indeed be saved. You will be free. You can have a real, actual relationship with the living God. And that is not for one tribe. That's not for one people group or something. This is the good news for the entire world. Uh, every single person, and so we can talk about Ukraine, and we, and we can talk about Russia, and it's complicated, is it not? It's complicated. We've got brothers and sisters in both Ukraine and in Russia. Uh, I've gotten the opportunity to uh, to teach a group of students over at Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary because there is a Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary, and I got to uh, to preach over there or, uh, teach over there some students. And uh, and I see the things that are going on in the news, and I'm thinking, I've got brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and I can't, you know, totally, you know, just go, oh, you know, you know let's just go and 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 you know, go go, go a few rounds with Russia and so on. No, no, because I've got brothers and sisters there too, and so we are able to pray for our. Russian neighbors, for our Ukrainian neighbors, for even other surrounding countries that are, of course, very uh, concerned about what's going on and, and everything, and, and the good news of it all, the good news in the midst of war and violence and everything, the good news is this is not uh, kind of an excursus, if you will, an addendum to the plan of God. But that the God who made all things is the God who is bringing all things to its ultimate end and ultimate conclusion, and that is that Ukrainians and Russians will one day be gathered together singing the praises of King Jesus. And so we sing with that confidence, and we pray with that confidence that one day Americans and Russians and Jews and Gentiles and Ukrainians and Latvians and, and, I'm running out of countries, Brazilians and all of these folks, all of us will gather together one day and we will say, worthy is the one who sits on the throne to receive blessing and honor, glory and power forever and ever. If you don't trust in Jesus, you can get in on that today. Today you can be a part of this great work that our God is doing in drawing people to himself. And with that said, let's turn to Romans 8, because this is what Paul is just absolutely mind-blown about, all right? Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 8. If you're there, say I'm there. See, y'all, I I knew if I would just talk a a long enough time that y'all would all get there. Uh, Romans chapter 8, look at verse 28, and we know That for those who love God, all things work together for good. There it is. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Many brothers there are. People from every nation, every tribe, every language, every generation. That's what he's talking about there. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? (laughs) He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who judges. Who is to condemn? Well, oh, Christ Jesus, in that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. All these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. These promises just cannot get better. (laughs) It's just... Every week in Romans 8, we have just been hit over and over and over again with this great reality of who we are in Christ and all that Christ is for us. So we're going to focus on verses 33 and 34 this, mo- this morning, and let our uh, let me pray that God would work in our hearts once again, that we would be mesmerized and gripped by these true and precious promises. All right, let's pray. Father, I ask that you would indeed drive this deeply into our hearts and into our minds. For those of us who are in Christ, who have trusted in him, Lord, I pray that these promises would be realer and realer every day. That we would live by these promises, that we would live in these promises. For those who are here that have not trusted Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that they would see that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. Open their eyes, Lord. Give them sight. Open their hearts to love what they hear. I pray, Lord, that you would apply, by your Holy Spirit, you would apply these truths to their hearts. They come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask big things because you're a big God. Move among us. Do, Lord, what only you can do. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm. Few things, a uh, few words in our culture carry the weight, the, the drama, and the suspense as we find in the word. Retrial. Retrial. You know, it, we, we think that with the sound of the gavel on the courtroom, uh, on, the, uh, on the desk of the, of the judge, that, that that would signal finality. It would signal the, the conclusion of a dispute for, for justice. But because of a procedural error, because of a tainted testimony, uh, because of new evidence, uh, the previous verdict now seems premature. You Amen. cannot bring any charge against God's elect because absolutely no charge will hold in God's court. He's already dropped them all. You say, okay, what? what how, how can he say that? Well, notice two things. First off, in verse 33, do you notice what he calls us? Who shall bring any charge against whom? Oh, come on, y'all are reading. Wh- whom? Yeah, I mean, you, you took your mask off and now you're going to be quiet? I mean, come on now. <laughs> who, who can bring a charge against God's elect? Note, God has chosen us to be his people. Paul is asking this question not who can bring a charge against sinners, who can bring a charge against God's elect? Who can bring charges against the people that God has already chosen to be His? You say, Paul, where have you gotten that idea? Well, let's look up a little bit earlier. Notice again, verse 28. We know that all things, uh, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, this purpose of God. What is this purpose? Verse 29. Those whom He foreknew. We're going all the way back. All right, way back in the day, before there were days, okay? (laughs) So back in the pre-days, all right, we we have God, before he laid the foundation of the world, before a grain of of, of sand was was laid on the ground, before a blade of grass came up and, and everything, before there was even water, God had already set his love and affection on a particular people. He said, "You will be my people. You, particular, you will be mine." All right. He foreknew us. All right. He already had in his mind you and me. You say, "Whoa! whoa, whoa how do how that? What what's that all about?" I don't have a clue. I don't understand it. I'm just really, really glad that it that it's true. Right. And those of he foreknew, he also pre destined not only did he set uh, he set us on his mind but then he already mapped out where all of this is going to head okay so that's why we can say as we said before all the conflict and 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 all the the uh, the tension and the animosity and the violence and all of that that's going on and by the way southeast Raleigh you don't have to go all the way to Russia and Ukraine to see all of that right It's the stuff that exists even in our own communities, the stuff that exists in our streets and all of that. All of that, he says, with everything, it's all a part of a plan that God has set out from before all of eternity, that with all the evil and all the wickedness and all the drama and everything that we see in this world, it is going to culminate in a particular end. There's going to be a final scene, and in that final scene, he says, we will be conformed to the image of his son in order that he the son Christ would be the firstborn among many brothers. God has already made up his mind. God made up his mind you know I, I learned something um it's one of the perks of being a dad and 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 I and I learned that this perk kind of ebbs and flows um with with dadhood but one of the things that I've learned is, uh, whatever I say goes. That is some like impressive power. It can go to your head, right? You know, you go, it's bedtime. what? Excuse me. <laughs> Why is it bedtime now? Because I said so. Boom. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right, time to clean your room. Why? why I'm your father it's time to clean your room you see or we say hey we're gonna you know we're, we're going to um uh to go to you know let's say we're going to go out to eat after after lunch or something and you've got the kids and they kind of go over to you and they're like you know hey dad can we go out to eat after church and all that and and what are they looking for they're looking for the divine word right they're looking for dad, you know, to, to make the, per, the official pronouncement. Even with mommy. I mean, they can appeal to mommy, but mommy said, you know, and all of that that they do all the time and everything, try to split us against each other and all of that, but you can't split us together. We're a rock, baby. But, but, but you have, but you have this, this, this sense, you know, we're going we're gonna to split you together or split you apart and all of that and try to pit you against each other and everything. But ultimately it comes down to what comes out of this mouth. Because whatever I say goes most of the time <laughs> in our home, right? So what are they looking for? They're looking for me to say it. And then here's what happens. If I say it, then it's ironclad, at least when it's something that they want, right? So we're going after, oh, dad said we're going out to dinner. Dad said we're going out after church. We're going after, we're going out, we're going out. And they're all excited and everything. Why? Because once dad has made up his mind that that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. Y'all you, you have been there before, right? Once, once I say we're going to go out after church, we're going out after church. And if we don't go out after church, but you said, right, you said that we were going to go out after church and all that. And I can't say in that moment, well, psych. You know, I can't do that, (laughs) right? Once I've said it, once I've made up my mind, they expect that that's exactly where we're going to wind up. Well, if that's how it is with this frail knucklehead of a dad, imagine what it is like for the dad. When he has made up his mind and he said, you are going to be conformed to the image of Christ. And we go through these moments where we're, where, we're, where we're struggling. We go through these moments where, we're, where we, we see the charges piling up against us. We see all the new evidence and everything. And, and And it's easy for us to go, but you said, and God is going to say, yes, I did say. I did say. And it's going to happen. You will be conformed to Christ. Once I've made up my mind, there is nothing that can change it. Oh, how encouraging it is to know that you are of the elect. You say, how do I know if I'm of the elect? Well, you know, you could go into the mind of God and try to say, all right, God, you know, just show me your brain and let me see, you know, all right, am I on this list of elect and all that? You could do that. You may be waiting for a while. Or you could do this. Do you trust in Jesus? Do you trust him? Have you placed your life in Christ Jesus' hands and said, your death, your resurrection are my salvation. I I have no other hope but you. Only you can free me from my sin. Only you can remove the curse of death. Only you can reconcile me to God. You are my only hope. That is only the cry of one who believes. That is only a cry of the elect. Do you have the spirit in you testifying with your spirit that God is not just some some imperial emperor in the sky, but God is your father who loves you and cares for you and ever longs for your good and wants you to radiate his glory? Do you see him as the one who in Christ constantly shines his smile on you even when you have screwed up and messed up and so on you know nothing can separate me from his love he loves me and i live for that i need that i cannot go a second without knowing that he is for me and not against me this is only the impulse and the urge of the elect do you see us as brothers and sisters in christ Do you find yourself growing in your love and affection for the people of God, not just your local body, but all across the world? Do you see yourself longing for the day when we will all gather together and we will have the greatest family reunion in the history of mankind? when all of us gather together and we're able to love one another and share with one another the stories of how God worked in our lives and how we rejoice with each other and even sometimes weep with each other, but our Lord is going to wipe every tear from our eyes. Do you long for that day? If you long for that day, it is only the impulse of the elect. And so you say, if these things are true, then God has made up his mind that you will be conformed to Christ. And if you are of this group called the elect, all of the charges have been dropped already. Not only have the charges been dropped because we are his elect, but the charges are dropped because, as it says in verse 33, it is God who justifies. Boy, that's a plot twist, isn't it? Think about the courtroom again, all right? We're here in the courtroom. And here you are, fresh off the street, having enjoyed all the freedom that you that you have had from getting that not guilty verdict, and, and you go in and you sit, and just hypothetically our accuser comes up, the evil one himself, and he says, ooh, I got you now, I got you now, now's the time, you thought that you were just going to go off scot-free and everything, oh no, you see, I, I've got, I got access, because I hacked into your brain. And, and I got access into all the things that you were thinking about saying that you never did. Oh, but you thought it, and you were dwelling on it. I was thinking, I got access to the thoughts that you thought, that were you going, hmm, I could get away with this. And, and you may not have, never, uh, have ever done it, but you sure thought about doing it, and that's enough, because you were not renewing your mind. Oh. See, that's the problem with the evil one. The evil one is both the tempter and the accuser. What does that mean? That means that he is the one who who, who kind of goads you into doing what displeases the Lord. And then as soon as you do it, he turns around on the other side and says, Ooh, you're going to get it. That's exactly how the evil one works. And he's done this over and over and over again. He, gets, he de- deceives you and tempts you and lures you into sin. And then as soon as you sin, boom, I got you now. You're going to get it now. And the accuser comes over and he 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 sits there and he's waiting for the judge and he says oh this is good this is insurmountable evidence oh i can't wait for this moment and then the door opens you hear the the the, the bailiff all rise right and here comes the honorable judge and the honorable judge is the god who has already declared you righteous i can imagine he walks into the room and he says why am i here <laughs> What, what what What's going on now? And the accuser, oh, I got new evidence. Insurmountable. This is an open and shut case. And he would say, you know, it actually is an open and shut case. I shut it a long time ago. I've already declared that this person is righteous, and there's nothing that can change that verdict. Wow. You, in Christ, are Righteous, but what about the insurmountable? What about the insurmountable evidence? See, here's the thing: the insurmountable evidence is actually surmountable. <laughs> it's actually surmountable. It has been surmounted. Is that a word? It has been surmounted by the righteousness of Christ. You have a Savior who has already done miles around all that, the, all of the wrong and the bad that you have done. His righteousness is of such a degree that it's impossible for the new evidence of your sin to overtake the evidence of his righteousness. D- do you see what I'm saying here? So long as he is the righteous one that he is, and that is never going to change, amen? So long as he is who he is, nothing that you can do can overtake this verdict. it will not be overturned. It is God who justifies. If my righteousness was dependent on my own, then sure that insurmountable uh, evidence, that new evidence would be a, a logical case, right It would be you know we, we would have reason to have to have a retrial and all of that. but if my righteousness is not of my own but my righteousness was given to me by God by means of the righteousness of Christ then nothing that I can do can ever overtake it. I am not guilty. I am, in Christ, just. Nothing changes that. So, who can bring a charge against God's elect? <laughs> no one can. Why? Because I was not declared righteous on the basis of my own righteousness. I was declared righteous on the basis of Christ's righteousness. And because he is righteous, none of my unrighteousness can topple his righteousness. You are just. Period. Case closed. Well, maybe somebody might come up and say, uh, yeah, yeah, but but you know, I still think that you should be condemned." <laughs> That's what he says in verse 34. Who is to condemn? You know, okay, all right, you know, yeah, you you should, you know, be you know, uh, or you can possibly be named just on the basis of Christ. But but I'm telling you, your works matter, and you are condemned because of your sin. You, you are condemned. We cannot over, overlook the fact that you have done bad things. So who is to condemn? And again, he says nobody can condemn. That's the implied answer. There's no one that can condemn you. We saw first that God drops all of our charges, and now we see that no one is able to condemn us because Christ Jesus is our defense. Surely you've heard the stories of of, uh, folks wrongly imprisoned. And whether because of some type of injustice with the police force or injustice with the judicial system or so on, the, the tampering of evidence and, and, and planting evidence and all these types of things, it looks like it is an open and shut case, and it looks like the, this is over. This person is going to jail, but this person insists his innocence. What does he need in that moment when the evidence looks, looks uh, uh, pretty convincing and everything, and it looks like he is going to have to serve this sentence, and he says, I didn't do this crime. I'm innocent. What he needs is is a good lawyer right he needs a defense who is able to go and say hold on because there's an argument that we need to bring into the courtroom and on the basis of that argument you will find that my client is innocent well we, for us it's it's much more difficult right because well we we did do all of these things <laughs> we did do it all And so we need a defense that is able to say, yes, you did all of these things, and yes, in normal situations, in normal circumstances, this person is guilty, but I'm going to give you an argument, and on the basis of that argument, this person is not guilty. So you say, okay, what kind of argument can overtake the fact that we have clearly done the wrong? Jesus gives the best argument. Look what it says. First off, Christ Jesus is the one who died. Ah, he doesn't have to serve the sentence, your honor. Why doesn't he have to serve the sentence? Because I've already served it for him. Hmm. There is no sentence to be served because I have taken his place. By the way, that is the greatest lawyer in the history of the world. The lawyer that says, I will serve the sentence for my client so that my client can go free. Give that, give that lawyer whatever he wants, right? This is the defense. He, he's not going to serve any sentence because I've already served it. And we know that that, uh, that, that uh, uh, sentence was valid. We know that it was approved by the judge because it says he was raised. Not he rose, but he was raised. Passive. Who raised him? The judge god is the one that was the gavel that was the striking of the gavel for all of the universe to hear this sentence is final and it has been approved and i'm going to show you that i approve of his act by raising him up from the dead oh not only that but he is at the right hand of god (laughs) so he died in our place god raised him from the dead He ascended him up into heaven where he sits at at God's right hand far above all rule and all power and all authority and every accuser including the one in our heads. He is over all of them as the one who has said, my sacrifice is final and I have all authority in heaven on earth that I can apply it to you and to you and to you and to me All of us are able, through faith, to receive this gift. And then, lastly, he says, who indeed is interceding for us. What is Jesus doing right now? Uh, One thing he is not doing is he's not kicking back going, yeah. Right? That's not his posture here. What is our Lord's posture, sitting at the right hand of the Father? It looks like this. What is he doing? He's praying. That's what interceding is. He's praying. He's praying for us. What is he praying for us? You know what he's praying? Father, I know that that person did what they did. I know it wasn't pleasing to you. But on the basis of what I did on the cross, I know that that person said something that, that, that was not pleasing to you. I know they saw something and entertained themselves with something that was not pleasing to you. I, I, I know that they should have had hearts of compassion, but instead they decided to step on that person instead of helping that person. I know they did all of that, but Lord, on the basis of what I did on their behalf, set them free. I paid for that sin and that sin. And the sin after that, and the sin after that, and the sin after that. All the sins that they committed in the past, Lord, I paid for them on the cross. All the sins that they're committing right now, Father, I've already paid for them. All that they will commit in the future, I've already paid for them, Lord, on the basis of what I have done for their behalf, set them free. And the father, the one who raised him from the dead, the one who exalted him to the highest place, you better believe that when the son asks him to do something on the basis of that act, the father is going to say, that's exactly what I wanted to do, son. I will absolutely do that. And you are forgiven day after day after day. Why are you not condemned? You are not condemned because you have the best defense that any human could possibly have in this universe. You have the risen and exalted, interceding King Jesus. So, on the basis of all of this, case closed. So what do you do when you feel the urge to reopen the trial? You apply these verses to your heart. When you feel that guilt, when you feel like you have every right for God to condemn you, you are absolutely right. You do have every right, or or God has every right to condemn you, and yet the case is closed. Jesus took it for you. When you look at yourself and you say, there's no way that that, that I could ever be like Jesus. There's no way that I... No, no, no. He's already made up his mind. Case closed. Closed. If you're going to take the time and go back to the past and look at all the past sins that you've committed and look at all the reasons that God should condemn you, could you also look a little bit further into the past to this place called Calvary where there's a cross and there's a man laying uh, nailed to the cross and as he is saying to Telestai, it is finished. He is speaking about all the things that you won't let go of. He's saying in that moment, it's done. It's done. It will always be done. Some of you are carrying things that you've carried for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Say to those things, case closed. The accuser is going to get in your ear. and He's going to bring it all back up. Say to him, case closed. Closed. You can live in the freedom of knowing that you will never again have to step into that courtroom and you will never hear them say guilty. You will never hear the judge say that the sentence that you will have to serve is an eternity in my wrath. You never have to hear him say that. The accuser has no case ever again. So my prayer for each one of you, that you would live in, that that when you make it humble you, it should humble you that you would receive such grace and such mercy. Let it open up your heart to love those who are maybe hard to love because if you have been loved in such a way, oh, can you imagine the kind of love that they would need if someone would just point them into the direction of the God who justifies. May God give us the freedom of knowing that for all of eternity, because of Jesus, this case is closed. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It seems like an appropriate day to go back to the Lord's Supper and be reminded again of what our Lord has done in remembrance of Him. Let's pray. Lord, in Your grace, I ask that You would so move among us to apply these truths to each one of our hearts, the case is closed. Jesus has set us free. We are righteous because of Christ and not because of our own. And Jesus is our great advocate and high priest and intercessor who is constantly working on our behalf, constantly praying and applying uh, his death and his resurrection onto our lives, constantly shredding our record, constantly moving so that we will never, ever be condemned because Jesus has paid it all. Lord, I pray that this would be true of every single one of us. Free us from the guilt. Free us from the shame. Free us to forever love and worship you and love one another as Christ has so dearly loved us. We thank you, Father, for all these things. Set us free and silence the accuser. In Jesus' name, amen.